Hello everyone, Robbie here. I'm excited to announce my eighth novel, Death Rattle, is out now. Here's a brief description. The newest residents of Fleet, Texas are out for blood. The town of Fleet, Texas is dying, and longtime resident Ebner Graves can only watch. Ebner grew up in Fleet, fought for it in Vietnam, grew old there, and now it's drying up. Until the addition of Sunny Meadows, a planned community on the city's outskirts. Built by foreign investor Oscar Fuchs, it's bringing wealth back into the area, and Fuchs wants more. He's buying up property all over town and making generous offers with old money. But Ebner's not buying it. Fuchs isn't what he seems. And Ebner won't see his town become something he hates. And then townsfolks start dying. Everyone who stood in the way of Fuchs all ripped apart in gruesome murder. Suspicious, Ebner sneaks into Sunny Meadows and finds the source of the killings. Vampires. Sunny Meadows is their den and Fuchs their master. Now Ebner must stop him before Fleet is bled dry. Death Rattle is available for pre-order now and releases on July 26th. It's The Lost Boys meets Walking Tall and the best thing I've written yet. I would love for you to pre-order it via the links in the show notes. Thank you and on to the show. Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Johnny Beyond. One the planet. One Gold darn it. One fortnightly discussion of comics and culture. I'm your host, Robbie Darn, literature geek and writer. You stepped on my wholesome swears. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 293. Gold darn it! Crystal man! I cleaned up and post. It'll be fun. <laughs> it's it's funnier when uh, when we're bad. Oh, is it? Yes. I prefer our finely crafted jokes that we write for that take hours in our writers' room. That's right. No, we we absolutely That's, have. Yeah, we definitely don't wing the whole thing. Hi, hey, handsomeites, how you guys doing out there? Good. I think they're lovely. I think they're especially beautiful today. Uh, we are going to be discussing 1963 Nerbo Book Club by Alan Moore, Rick Veitch, Reich, Vitch, and Steve Bissett. Ricky V. Ricky, Rick, Ricky V. We're going to be uh, talking about some 90s comics that are written like they're the 60s comics. Mm-hmm. Gold darn it. Gold darn it. I don't know why I, don't know why I imagine him. He's got this. He's got this. Got us. I'm the planet. <laughs> Oh darn it! He sounds like the Hulk Hogan. I mean, there's there's overlap. I think. Okay. You know, I mean, Hulk Hogan did. He had a planet for an ego, and not a planet for a head. I mean, Hulk Hogan's head is pretty big. Yeah, it is too. He's got a pretty big dome. I mean, it 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 happens. You know. I mean, I understand. I also have a large head. 
but I don't know. It's I don't, a curse. I can't. It's it cannot. Curse. I cannot rival Hogan's head. Hogan's head is like the size of like a an asteroid. You know, some of us have pumpkin ass sized heads. I would when I posted that <laughs> selfie from our pride event. I didn't even notice I was wearing my hat backwards and it was like one of the, it's one of the snapbacks and it's on the exact, the, the last rung. It's holding on for dear and, life. Yeah. And, and my friend Clinton posts on there. He's like, Oh my God, that poor hat. <laughs> <sighs> That's later on. Uh, first off, we have some books that came out this past couple weeks to talk about. It's time for a first segment. It is time for Floppies for Nile. Floppies for Nile is the part of the show. Eric and I sign along. Sign, no, discuss. I can't. What happened? What happened? Eric, my, my words, my brain stopped. That's, you know, sometimes it happens. I don't know why this comic did it to you, but this, that's okay. This is part of the show where Eric and I review a selection of these past couple of weeks' books and tell you to buy or do not buy them. I got it back. I, I reeled it back in. Uh, there you go. It goes, there's a mush meter. It goes from one to five. Uh, our first book is Dark Blood, number one, uh, written by Latoya Morgan, il- illustrated by Walt Barna, colored by A.H.G., lettered by And World Design. I, I, I what? A, it's a strange book. I don't know what's. Yeah. I don't know what's. I don't. I like. I don't not like it. I think one. I think it's beautiful. The art is really good. It is really good. I really like the way the uh, the lead is drawn. Yeah, he looks really he looks really cool. Yeah, the the art is really strong and I mm. don't not like what I think the premise is. The premise to me is like it's whatever that Mark Wade book was called, but it's actually written by a black woman. Yes. So it is already head and shoulders over that, but it's like the same thing except we're we're mixing the the Tuskegee Airmen into it. And there's something. I mean, I he's, he's a veteran, and there's something, and they, and the like the little the little tags uh, keeps talking about the variants, and the night of the variants, and t- like a jumping around in time, uh, around when the the variants happened, and I'm guessing the variants is the thing that gave this dude his powers. I'm guessing, mm. but it's it's a it's a very watered down story for a whole issue. And this is this is this is like a a two minute long. This is an opening credits montage in a in a film. Yeah, it, it is very filmic. I think mm-hmm. you know, like, and I there are strengths to that, especially when you have a really good artist. Yeah, and I, I don't know, it does. I I I you know what? And this is Boom Boom Publishing, and I'm starting to think this is book one of six, but does this does not feel like it was crafted like as an issue one. It just, it just ends. And you're like, I don't know why it's happened. Like it says to be continued at the bottom. Like that could happen on any page. Like it doesn't, this is not like the end cliffhanger, you know, of an issue one. It's just, Oh, this is where we're stopping this one. Cause it's 24 Mm -hmm. pages, 24 pages have gone by. And I feel like boom is just telling people just make a thing and we'll cut it up into issues. It feels like that. Cause I I feel like I would I think I'd read this in trade. Ultimately, yeah. I would read this in trade because I think the art is really great and I think the premise has has merit, but it makes for a bad first issue uh like like story-wise and the, you know, you don't know necessarily 
what the like there's no hook yet it's just mainly oh this dude has powers and i don't in in the in the in a in jim crow south and you're like Mm -hmm. okay uh that's something but i need more i need another some give me something else he's a veteran that's neat like there's layers here but i always like i think i don't know if i'm just getting older like i think we've had this discussion 50 times but you don't need to we have, have we have we have discussed how you're old it's, i am old but i mean like it is, it is i mean my, i just had my birthday but i think Happy it, birthday. oh thank i don't you. know why it didn't pop up on my calendar uh i was in tennessee it didn't it didn't get you no i have everyone that's significant no 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 when you when I, I i crossed my state lines and it, it disrupted the calendar so, this, so you violate the man act i did and uh and, and my calendar stops working. I exactly. didn't realize that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. But um, this thing jumps around in time, like three or four times. No real reason. That is my favorite uh, thing in storytelling. I know. I We bring it up every week because comic books just every... I, I don't know why people are so like, no, we need to start six months in the past. And then we mm-hmm. jump to the present. And then we jump... 25 years ago and then we jump back to six months from now and you're like well here's a secret most writers are hacks and i and you know whatever the this this latoya what's her name was that her name latoya morgan whatever no shade this is the thing that most people do and i don't think that it bothers most human beings but like i don't know uh at least it's only like really jumping in and out of two periods yeah you and know, there's and then it, and now. And it's centering around this variance thing. But the problem is, this is your first issue. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a comic book reader and I go to a comic book store and I see this this first issue and it has a compelling cover, and I'm like, oh, I'll check this out. I'll read this. And then you read the, this first issue. What on earth is bringing me back to read issue number two? Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the variance is. At least tell me that. I don't know. Like, I understand that the, like... I, I, there's there there's compelling arguments for just plain old regular dramas of trying to be a black man and living in Alabama and not getting yeah. killed by white people without superpowers being involved at all. So that certainly is compelling. And when you bring in superpowers, oh, that's interesting. But I this I, what's the hook? Like what wh- what's the extra layer around this? Um, it's not there. But I think I'm curious. I think there is certainly all those pieces here, but. I w- I'll read this in trade. Give it a chance. Then I cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you to go buy this issue issue because this first issue tells me I, it's not concerned with serialized, like going, Oh, we need to sell an, an issue by an issue. They like, no, we, we crafted a graphic novel and for some reason, boom, cut it into six pieces. That's what it feels like. So I'm a, I'm a wait for trade. My only assumption is they think that it drives up sales. I, I, I feel like, I feel like you, there is a, when a book is crafted for like just to be told like as a graphic novel and then you cut it up and people have a bad experience with a, a single issue, they're not going to come back at all in some yes, cases. But you, I think the overwhelming majority of what people are going to do when I think about the buying habits is they're going to buy maybe one or two and they're going to forget about it. And then they're going to st- they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I read this thing. It's collected as a graphic novel now. Now I'm going to buy it without really with with less hesitation, you know, not picking it up and reading half of it in the store and putting it back like they've already done. It's already established for them and it erodes part of the hesitance that people have to buy things. 
Are you are you also I, that is a that is a theory. I don't have any information on whether literally anyone in the comics industry actually thinks that. This is just me writing a fucking story about what retailers might think. I, I don't have any data to back that up. Are, are you, uh, what are you, uh, buy, sell, Eric? I, I cannot say buy this for, but I mean, everything you've said, I 100% agree with. I would give this a chance as a trade, um, just based on the broad strokes that I'm getting from this issue. I am 0% compelled to read the next one. Uh, but if there were, you know, three, four, or five more issues collected already, I would consider dropping a twenty or a twenty-five bucks on on that trade and checking it out. So, hundred percent in agreement there. Okay, so that's a double way for trade on Dark Blood number one. Next up, a slew of DC books. You, you just want... you had to you had to do it to them. I had to do it. Uh, our first book. Uh, from DC this week is Superman and the Authority number one, written by Grant Morrison, art Mikel Janine, colors Jordi Belair, letters Steve Wands. The dream team that had you had suggested this to me, I would have thrown rocks at you. <laughs> but but Eric, but mm. you like it? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I think it's very good. Don't you? I. Th- it's it is this issue is good and this issue is compelling. So yes, and I was going to kind of I was going to kind of amend my own statement by saying I enjoyed this. I do think this isolated issue is good. When I look into the infinite horrifying possibilities in the future, most of them seem like they could be bad. Um. <laughs> Morrison has written, if not my favorite, potentially the best Superman story ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he really can write an amazing Superman. And it's even this kind of thing, like Superman with vulnerabilities, dealing with, with that. Mm-hmm. Dealing with situations that he can't just punch away just punch it yes he can't just be like oh yeah <clears throat> that's punching um i like it yeah and good, and, right? and, and and paired with a an anti-hero in this case mm-hmm. and with someone who's anti-superman even and, and superman seeing the best in him and trying to use that to help people very compelling story shape um, I think I I would even say that you know the 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 poser quali- pose, poserly quality of Janine's art over time has gotten you know has improved in that it is seems I less think static. Janine has you know, Janine has become amazingly better. Like everything is really feeling super animated, and I think he's hiding his brush strokes better. I mean, I think he's always been pretty superlative. Yes. I could just sort of see into his shortcuts. Like, I think illustrators should take shortcuts, but you shouldn't be so ham-fisted about it. It's better for it to look like a. it was created by a human than... A robot. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think this looks great. Yes, um, it looks very good. Yeah. And I, I, I'm... 
uh, and this is like I read I read these books in the order on, on our show notes, and these are uh, all I, I always do. And like I, I didn't really put them in this order in any particular reason, uh, aside from keeping the DC books together. But you after you read this, and then you see like a promo package for uh, what Infinite Frontier is. Mm-hmm. And this I'm gonna bring this up multiple times as we talk about these books, but. You realize, oh, this is an Infinite Frontier book. That's what these all are. These are all like little multiversal stories. And then you see that one page at the end of this, which is a promo image used a two or I guess it's a a one page and then a splash, two page splash. Mm -hmm. And those three, effectively three pages sell Infinite Frontier 10,000 times better then the issue we read called Infinite Frontier number one, where I go, oh, this is what this book is about in three pages where they just have an image of the of like, oh, here's the issues that need to be solved. Here's an, a representation of it. Wow, I get it now. And this here's an example of one of those things with Superman and, and Manchester Black. And you're like, oh, I get well, it. I think it's a pretty clear example of, uh, I mean, I looked at that and, and, and immediately was like, I don't give a shit about this, but that's just me. But I mean, I will agree with you that this is potentially a solid example of, you know, show don't tell doesn't always work. So just tell sometimes. Yeah. Also, you, know, you can you can just tell. This is there's, for- a, there, there's a reason that every movie you watch, people are like, ugh. My little brother's being weird, you know, like no one ever says ever. Um, I'm a buy on this issue. It's four issues miniseries. Like you said, Grant Morrison has written my fa- is my favorite Superman story of all time. Mm-hmm. And this book's going to have uh, the Midnighter in it. And we get to see Midnighter and Superman bounce off each other. Uh, that, and Apollo, too. So we get Apollo. It's fun. That's fun. I like all that. I'm a buy. I, this book looks great. It's it's a good issue. I'm hopeful. Johnny Rotten gets poisoned by mineral water. I maybe, think it's uh, maybe it's he drank. A good, it's a good move. Maybe he drank liquid death. I like liquid death. It just tastes like water, though. I know it's not special. It's just fucking water. I know it has very good marketing, though. It it it's got a neat looking can. Mm-hmm. It tastes good, and it has they have carbonated water. Mm-hmm. You know, it costs about the same. As other carbonated water at the Seven Eleven, I saw it um, today. Walked past it to get a bang energy. I'm telling you, the fucking the the Sammy Guevara advertising, subliminal advertising, has worked on you. At, at, at least, at least Red Bull, at least Red Bull actually pays Grand Pooh Bear. I to, to subliminally advertise to me. I'm not as bad as Sammy yet. Because I'm fairly certain Sammy goes to restaurants and brings his own bang energy. That's pretty fucking dorky. He because he there's multiple times where there's shots of him either on his Instagram or in the vlog where he's, yeah. he's sitting at a restaurant and there is a Miami Cola bang just sitting there. I'm like, they are not selling fucking bang energy at your at that Chinese restaurant you're at, Sammy Kafara. Yeah. There's, uh, I mean, I think this is a truism is if you're a wrestler, you're already kind of a dumbass. It doesn't matter how smart everyone looks. He's got one of those brightest minds in the business. But you're all you're a you're you're a dumbass. You're a you dummy. You're, you're a big dummy. You smash your head into a, it'll into wood for for your job. Yeah. That's that's your job, just to smash your head into wood. 
over and mm-hmm. over and over again. We're double by yeah. on uh, <laughs> Superman and the Authority number one. Your job is also to point and talk loudly. Yep. Those are your two. Those are the two jobs. Talk. You got to get the pointing in there. It's important. I don't know. I don't know what it is about the pointing. It's important the, the though. Pointing, man. It makes it makes a difference. It makes your point. Yep. Our next issue is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number one, written by Tom King, art Bil- Bilkes Evely. I've never actually heard anyone say that name, so I'm doing my best. Uh, Bilk Bilkes Bilkes Bilky. Well. I I knew people that were called this, but they were uh, they were Cuban, so we did call we called her Bilky. Um, I do not know other culturals other cultural pronunciations of that name. Okay, but I, we, we called her Bilky. Okay, that's my best guess. It Colors was, it was spelled like that. Yep. Colors, uh, Matt Matthias Lopes Lopez, either one, and letters Clayton Cowles. Uh, this book actually, this issue came out last month, and we missed it. Um, number two had just come out this week. And you're a hardcore Tom King stand, so we I had am. to read it. And we, I, well, I was interested, and I missed it, and I wanted to read it, so we're reading it. And again, like most Tom King, this is a mini, this is a limited series. I think it's only running eight, twelve issues, something like that. Um, That's how he rolls. Yep. So we probably will not be reading any more single issues of this until we get eight issues. That is the I looked at the front. So. If we if when we finish reading this, it will be in the trade probably for Nerba Book Club. Um, but I do like to wet my whistle a little bit and get a sense of what the book is. I think this book is great, except for one giant caveat. <laughs> uh oh, what? Is crypto dead, Eric? I mean, I as soon as I yes, no, I remember when I saw crypto take an arrow to the knee. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Robbie's upset. Robbie's mad. Robbie's big mad about this. I'm, I'm not. I, 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 I don't know. It, it's not. I don't. It's not impossible to use a death of an animal in fiction. Well, it's not possible, but it's very easy to make it very cheap. Yeah, and like, and also crypto. You know, I. I I was reading comic books of crypto and when I was four years old, like mm-hmm. <laughs> flying around in outer space with Superman. And now we get cryptos just lying there with an arrow in them. And I'm supposed to go. I mean, like what parties are like, oh, no, not I will. I hate this character. He killed crypto. You, you you can you can write stories about nuclear war and you won't get as much heat as the, the guy kicking the dog. Mm hmm. It won't. It won't. It won't work. No. I said nuclear too. So nuclear. Nuclear. I have to really fight the dumb pronunciation. My my dumb mouth. I so many people that I know and respect say nuclear. I can't even remember. I was watching some video, and some motherfucker kept saying nuclear, and I I just I I just see red. It's like it's. It's it's two very easy words. New, clear, as in this is brand new, and mm-hmm. clear, as in I can see through clear glass. Mm-hmm. New, clear, new, clear. Yes. Um. Uh, but okay, so that's my big caveat, and like I'm not going to necessarily say that crypto is absolutely dead. I haven't read issue two, which also has come out. Um. But he might be dead. Um. And maybe at the end of the day, I will 
deal I'll be okay with it because this book seems to be a lot about like they've tipped like this book is written by Tom King and he knows what he's doing. Uh this I think it's really good. Uh it's it's a really smart way to get into uh Supergirl's character where you have a narrator who is a mm-hmm. like a peasant on an alien planet, basically a farmer, a farmer's daughter and her looking at Supergirl and that's how we're going to like deal with Supergirl's character. Um, and learn about their relationship. Like it's beautiful. I cannot. This comic book is gorgeous. Um, maybe a little too brown. I think that might be my only critique is the colors at times. But um, I want to know what happens in it. I don't know else to like say that I'm excited to see what happens in this story. Uh, I'm excited to be excited about a Supergirl story. I still am, despite all of Tom King's flaws as a writer which he has some this guess what not a nine panel grid eric mm-hmm. not there's no tortured men in this someone in this, someone told him to knock that shit off no nine panel grid no tortured men in this um well, there's nothing wrong with with tortured men there isn't but when you write you do know you mean literally tortured men or do you mean like emotionally tortured men it, i mean both honestly with tom king but mostly emotionally um, that's what i thought you meant but and I was like, wait a minute, that motherfucker was in the CIA. Yeah, he, he was. boarded some fuckers. But I, but I mean, like, I mean, emotionally, largely, but it, it, there is like a, a, you know, it repeats. I mean, when you look at, read a lot of Tom King books, you're like, oh, another guy, you another. See, yes. You see the overarching themes. I, I have a question I want to put to you. Uh-oh. What is it? Princess of Mars. John Carter. Mm-hmm. Movies, books, any of that you've digested? I mean, I've, I've, by, I guess, osmosis, I've not really read any of it, so I know it exists. I know the, I know the basic idea of John Carter and all that stuff. I've never mm-hmm. read it. I've never read the novels. I've never really looked at the comics. I've never watched that Disney movie that came out and immediately flopped. Right, right. I, um, it has its, uh, it has its, uh, it's fans mm-hmm. you know like six of them maybe i've heard it's not actually bad it just was very yeah, it's, badly it's marketed to be good yes it, it didn't well i mean it's a new property and it's called john carter and no one understood it you know i mean they fucking why would they not call it john carter of mars they did didn't they no it was just john carter i don't know people didn't know what to do i mean they fuck up all kinds of stuff there was a viral tweet that someone was like, why don't they make a new Conan the Barbarian movie and have it be Jason Momoa and people would like it. And they're like, well, they did literally that six years ago and it was a bomb. Like mm-hmm. literally every word you said, you said already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, this, it, it was, I, it, it was just called John Carter. Yeah. But whatever. I don't know that it would have made it better for people. I think that the Barsoon saga is kind of a weird and tough sell for people. This is very, very obvious to me, at least. Um, I, I would be curious your perspective on it, but since you're not, I, I just think it's it it has that sort of alien, barsoonish flavor to it. Oh, absolutely. It looks it looks very Martian, and beyond that, they talk in that sort of ridiculous, very uh, very proper formal yes. speech. Exactly. That's very, very Edgar Rice Burroughs and very, I don't know, very all all genre fiction 
uh, before like maybe the seventies or something, Dune read like that kind of garbage and like fucking princess of Mars was borderline unreadable because it was just trying. It was like a fucking like middle school student trying to use all of his vocabulary words. It was embarrassing, but I suppose it was the style and not, you know, can't really say much about a dude who's been dead for as long as Edgar Rice Burroughs has been. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, yes, there's obvious influence even without, I've not, read the books or you know but i can you know i've seen the pictures i've seen art of yes all of that and yes this is clearly drawing upon it but i think it is you know i think you there's an equal turn of like there's some mobius in here you mm-hmm. know there there's like there's european comics in here too and i think they this is probably tom king going hey i know that i should pick i pick great artists to work with because i'm a smart man and i understand that the art ultimately sells the comic books and uh, I will let them, hey, use whatever, they, and they'll go, oh, I wanted, it's, you know, this isn't an alien, we're doing alien politics, an alien setting, let's do what you want, you know, you mm-hmm. know, design what you want, design, make the designs you think look good, and I'll, you know, you can ask, ask for my uh, thoughts, but I think, you know, that just it's just like, hey, I think... I like how that looks. I like how Mobius. I draw alien stuff. I'm gonna mishmash that all together, and throw in Supergirl. I think, but ultimately, I think most people who read this are not gonna even realize it because mm. there's it's like it's kind of fallen out of the zeitgeist, you know, largely. I I I don't know. I have no idea if anyone really thinks about it. It it does blow my mind because it is such seminal and important science fiction for people, but it is certainly never gotten to the recognizability of, you know, say fucking Tarzan or, um, you know, any of that. No, definitely not with a a level of Tarzan, but even Mm -hmm. Tarzan itself is kind of like a joke now. Yeah. It's a, yes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a buy on this book. I think I, I obviously it's, I have a. I do wish that they didn't pull the crypto card in this, um, but mm-hmm. I'm holding reservations, obviously, about the Mike's particular crypto uh, criticism uh, until the I've read this whole thing, which I will. I'll be buying the trade of this. Uh, I'm a buy though. This is great. I think it is a very worthy book. Um, yeah, I I I like a lot of the decisions in here. I'm interested to see more. So, so yeah, I say I say bye. Double bye. Supergirl, one woman of tomorrow number one. Next up, Blue and Gold number one. Story by Dan Jurgens, art and cover by Ryan Sook. Uh letters, Rob Lay. Old Booster and Blue Beetle back again together on a book. Blue Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Um I'm was very curious how you feel about this, Eric. It's complicated, I think. Um, I, I, like, I'm having a little bit of a hard time even articulating it. Okay. Um, geez, geez. Like I'm looking through it again and thinking about like what a weird mishmash of tones it is. You know, quite honestly, this feels like it's trying to have the tone of an MCU, like, like the new Spider-Man movies or, 
like Iron Man or I mean, I guess maybe even the earlier Avenger movies when they were poppier and and not quite as serious. Um, I mean, that's this is here. The the I don't know if you, you probably haven't read previous Booster Gold Blue Beetle books or, or Justice League International or the, all the books they've been together on, I'm assuming. In my mind, I cannot point to one and say yes, but obviously I am familiar with both characters to various extents. Right. I I just, it, there is a very, it's a, it, it was a very particular, there's a very particular fandom for these two together. Uh, and it is like that, that kind of entrenched fandom of a comic book that is never, never sells as well as the people who like it want it to. Uh, the the people who like it really like it, and they love the characters and get very attached to them. It remind it's the same like the the old Cable and Deadpool book. Uh, that it was that same kind of idea, or the the you know there every so like the the kind of the uh, I think Hawkeye managed to like out outpace it by becoming critically acclaimed by that, but it's that same kind of idea of like oh this book is uh or uh Superior Foes of Spider Man. I think that is a. Book. I get a there's a there's a big superior foes of Spider Man energy in this. It's the same kind of idea where oh this book is like that, but it no one wants no one buy like people say it's great, but no one buys it. Mm-hmm. And that's there's routinely that you get a book of uh, you know oh let's bring back Booster and and Blue Beetle together and we'll have a they'll have another chummy book where they kind of like quip at each other for you know twenty five pages or whatever and. uh and then, then we'll have like secret feelings at the end. That's like secret. Oh yeah, actually, they're not so quippy. They're actually very emotionally impactful, and they've been hiding their emotions behind jokes. Um, I, I, I think I, I like parts of this. I think, and it, I don't like it as much as I like Spirit Foes of Spider Man, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think this art is. Speaking of poserly, I feel like there are certain faces in this that are that make me feel like you know, like they were used a a poser program or something, and I and they didn't they didn't rub off the serial numbers enough. Um, I do think the writing's really good, uh, and funny at parts. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm like I like Dan Jorgens. I've liked him for thirty years, so uh, I continue to like Dan Jorgens, and he is adapted. Uh, through the times, at least, um, I and like, I mean, how there is a literal where, the, like, a uh, blue beetle is breaking the news to the booster that uh, we they didn't want us on the, in the Justice League, and and then and booster's like, boost b- b- blue beetle has been in the the fucking Justice League. No, you know, but this iteration of the Justice League, but booster's like, like I always say, amigo, bros before. Rose, that's a, it's a terrible joke. It is but so bad, and I laughed. And it is well, that's that. I think that is the mark of a good pun. Is just going. Oh, that is that is the the whole point. Yes, whether you in, whether you enjoy it or it hurts you, I mean the 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 sensation is the same. It's like a, it's like it's like being whipped with a crock, you know. <laughs> and 
like him live streaming and begging for money while he's trying to fight a giant alien force. Subscribe uh, to my Patreon. Subscribe to my Patreon, please, while I fight aliens. <laughs> like, that has its charms. I Ultimately, I think this book wins me over in the end. I don't think it's perfect, but I still, I think I'm still just a buy. I, I'm interested in this. I think they're the the dumb the dumb charm of these two idiots in the end wins me over. Yeah, I can see eye to eye with that. I do think this is good. Shit, I don't want to read more of it. <laughs> so every issue you said that's a that's a that's a tough that's a tough position to be in because I do think it's good and I did enjoy it, but I'm just kind of like. I don't know. Do I really want to be a person that reads Booster Gold comics? Me and Eric, I can't, I, I, I can't, I, I can't I, bring, I can't bring I hate, myself to it. You're already that man. I hate to tell you, you're already that yeah, person. Yeah, on purpose. <laughs> on purpose, Robbie. That's the. This is this is the the operative part. That is a double buy on Blue and Gold number one. Next and lastly is Shazam number one, written by Tim Sheridan, art Clayton Henry, colors Marcelo Maiello, letters Rob Lay. Um, this is again a four a four issue miniseries. Uh, Shazam: The Rock of Eternity is in trouble. We got figure out what's happening. Um, well, first thing that happens is sky high. Um, I mean it's yeah, Teen Titans Academy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean it. No, it's 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 sky high. I am pretty sure I saw uh I saw Kurt Russell in this comic somewhere. No, I don't I think you're making um, that up. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't put a Kurt Russell in your comic book. Well, that'd be amazing if they did. I would I mean if okay, well Kurt Russell playing Nightwing. I would <laughs> be the worst <laughs> casting ever. Modern modern seventy <laughs> year old Kurt Russell playing Nightwing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh I I I I again I feel like Burke Record. I like really like the art in this. Um mm. uh the 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 I I don't know, I think we are both fans of like, hey, you strip a superhero of their powers and see what they do. Um and that's and Shazam is that's what this Shazam it the book is. Um the 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 Teen Titans Academy book like I like the teen the the Academy pages stuff too so I might go back and read that that book, um but I I think the writing in this is is a lot of fun it captures these young voices well it doesn't give them I I think no adult writer is gonna be able to actually capture the voice of a teenager like you can, like it because it's a moving target teenagers mm. binocular changes moment to moment probably so you just don't necessarily try and like oh i need to know what trends are happening right now you just write as like a, uh you give them a, a relatively adult voice and just make them a little bit more naive you know you you, mm, you take away accountability and reason exactly and i think that's that that it does a really good job i'm i'm knocking my microphone around it does a really good job people people like that shit it's asmr <laughs> I'll just put that in the the description of the, of the show notes. Yeah. ASMR comic book reviews. Um, ASMR. ASMR. Whisper. Ear, ASMR. Ear, ASMR. Ear, ear, ear tingles. Uh, ear, ear, ear tingles. Ear tingles. That's what people are looking for in the ASMR. They want Tink- their ears to tingle. Not, not. I said tangles though. I know you. That's what you said, but I'm not. I said tingles. I, I'm, I'm trying to escalate the joke. Okay, I can't help that I'm a comedy genius. <laughs> 
fair. It's how I describe you when I talk about you with other people. I'm like, first of all, he's a comedy mm-hmm. genius. Yeah, first of all. <laughs> Let me get that right out of the way. <laughs> but I, I like this book. Uh, I think I I like it's a simple premise, but I like it. I'm a buy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not as enthusiastic, Eric. Uh, it's it's good. I think I'm just really struggling to admit publicly that I liked this many DC books. I mean, I got to be honest. I'm thankful to have read comics and not hate all of them. Um, but this is the, like I'm I'm fighting with my fundamental character that I have to be like. sky high shazam it's it's doing things to me i i i i I mean i think i I have a hard time saying no okay because honestly i i it's it is good i got i got no complaints it's just i don't know i feel i feel like when morpheus uh you know let his sister take him is like i can't change anymore you have to you have to take me are you going to come back as, like, pale white? I, uh, that's already the case. I'm oh, sorry. all right. Sorry. So you'd be... I, so I'll, you'll... I'll be... I'll come back. I'll come back more... Uh, I'll come back more tan. Okay. The tan Eric. Oh, no. I don't know if I can handle that. I'll be like, ugh. Bad design decision. <laughs> yes. I'll uh, I'll come back tan and wear exclusively Utila kilts. Oh, no. Every just yeah, everything you say is just worse. I know. I know. I'll be the poochie version of me. Oh no! <laughs> he died on the you'll way. Have to, you'll have to deal with it for forty thousand millennia. Send you back to your home planet. Oh, that's okay. Double buy Shazam number one. I for one am excited that we had four DC books. All of them are good. Yes, can honestly say it. I. It wounds me, but maybe things are looking up over at over at the real, other company. The other company, at the distinguished competition. WCW is finally getting their shit together. I mean, I mean, Impact Wrestling put on a fucking banger, so maybe something's in the water. Who knows? That is the end of Floppies for Nightly. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show. Oof, boy, checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to for the past couple weeks, talk about video games or books or movies or whatever. Eric, what's up? What are you doing? I got no, I got, I got very little new, baby. What? I don't know. What? Are you still me? You're very still playing little, Hades? Very little new. Yeah, I'm still playing Hades. I did. I did. I texted you about it because I'm excited about it. I did. Uh, I did make it to Hades. He didn't exactly. I don't know. I have no idea how well I did. It seems like he he feels easier after having beaten uh, th- uh, Theseus, mm-hmm. not Perseus, Theseus, Theseus and, and the Minotaur. The Minotaur. Yeah. yeah, after beating Theseus and the Minotaur, which was very difficult for me, but I, I cleaned their clock. Uh, I think I just finally had the breakthrough. I realized what my correct strat was. Um, Do you want a spoiler or a question that might be a spoiler or no? Do I? I don't know. I don't want to spoil. If you don't, if you don't, if you want to re- the information from the game to be revealed without me spoiling it, then I will not ask you a question that might spoil something. <laughs> what kind of question is it? It's about Hades. About him as the boss. Yes. All right. Go ahead and ask whatever it is. I'll I'll just deal. Did you get through? Did you get to his second form? I yeah. Okay. I did not. 
Okay. I imagined that there would be multiple forms because the, the what I what I fought felt really small. And yes, I could, that is a spoiler, but it was one that I was kind of expecting. I did, it didn't seem right for him to be that small, um, but I mean, both on the screen and for it to be kind of anticlimactic that way. It does seem like he'd have to turn into some giant Castlevania the Night Dracula monster. Um, well, it's not, I don't know, it does, it's not really about his size. It's more a matter of complexity as it goes, as that fight, as you get further in that fight. That's really the it's gets it gets more schmuppy. Well, I uh, I I made it to him, and he uh, and, and he, I and felt he, good about that. And he insulted you, boy. Yeah, that's, that's his deal. He is boy. Yeah, he's just he's he's just like uh, Dad of War. He is very. I mean, I I think Hades is actually not as brutal, brutally mean. <laughs> <laughs> but he is still mean. But it's like, uh, what's his face in Dada War? It's awful. Like, I played through that. I'm like, dude, calm down. Why? God, I'll, I know your wife just passed, but d- please. Oh, man. Ease up a little bit on this poor kid. Mm. I mean, it, that's the whole point. You know, you melt his heart at the end. But um, you don't have anything but haze? Nothing else? <sighs> I honestly can't think of anything. Um, I suppose I am doing a pretty interesting thing I can talk about. It'll be going on my uh, Instagram while I'm on vacation uh, this week as of when the podcast drops. Um, So it actually all just sort of started as a random drawing that I found in my like saved folder of uh, sketches and completed artwork and stuff. It was actually just titled... Uh, LOL. It was just titled LOL. And it was just a drawing that I thought was cute. So I finished inking it and corrected it and thought that the character looked fun, but it was just a dumb pose. I thought it was too generic. Um, so the thought occurred to me, I'll, I'm going to put tattoos all over and I'll reach out to my friends who are tattoo artists and use their work on her. And then the thought occurred to me, why not send them because they both do digital art, the two that I was thinking of, why don't I send them the art files and let them do their own version? And that has kind of evolved into me talking to about 20 to 30 of my various uh, art friends. Um, and this is this is kind of turning into a little thing here where, where I'm going to do a post with like a fucking open call and a hashtag, uh, and I'll probably put a link to the files on my, um, what do you call it? My, uh, stupid link tree. Um, yep. That's, that's, uh, that's it. It's called, uh, tattoo me in your style. So it's this little, this little girl character. She's kind of a blank slate and you, you give her some flavor. You draw tattoos on her, uh, her figure. And it's it's a really fun little exercise. Everyone seems really excited about taking it on. Um, so we'll see in a couple of weeks uh, what uh, what we get around to. But I guess look for that uh, on my various media starting about Monday. So I have a couple of posts that I'll be putting up 
um, starting them. That's fun. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty fucking neat. Hashtag tattoo me in your style. Uh, well, eh? Eh. I went to Dynamite, Eric. Neat. I'm going. I'm going in a couple of days. I know. It's like we're friends or something. Uh, I know. It's uh, like we talk about fucking wrestling all day, every day. All day, all the time. Uh, yeah. I went to Dynamite. It was really good. Uh, it was great going out and being in a wrestling crowd and screaming at wrestling. Was this the first AEW show you've been to since we went to, um, what was the, did we go to one after Vegas together? No. I don't think you did. No. Was it the I, first I, no. one you've been to since then? No, I went to, I went to the show in Austin that happened like two weeks before the pandemic ah. hit. Uh, and I, that, that was, uh, I saw, uh, I saw Jericho then and that was when that was when jericho i, rem- I remember i remember because you were saying he was popping everyone yes with his his he was just yelling at the people in earshot that could hear him and they wouldn't have it mic'd no he was he was in the yeah it was, was in the it. he was in the one of the luxury suites and he was just yelling uh comments from from above us and it was very funny mm-hmm. um so i saw that but this it doesn't comp- it was in the same venue too this but it could not compare people were so psyched honestly honestly yes. dynamite's aw's a hotter company right now they just are like everything they're doing is just it's hard to like i don't really have critiques other than qt marshall somehow still on tv uh when he's competing for time with malachi black and and uh <laughs> moxley and eddie kingston you have this stacked mm-hmm. roster now and now punk and brian danielson are going to be on your show and you're like, oh, yeah, we still got to have time for uh, fucking Kevin James ass QT Marshall over here. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think his character is very good now. This whole factory storyline, I think, is great. I have I have enjoyed it. You you you're still going to throw shade on QT. I'm glad that QT has a single fan. Uh <laughs> I think he should go back and be Tony's assistant and back be behind the stage again. Let uh, Aaron Solo fly solo. Let Comoroto join the Jurassic Express as caveman accountant. Uh, I don't need the, the factory anymore on my television screen. Not when you're about to have the super duper stars on TV with you. Um, but the show was fantastic. Uh, both Dark and Dark Elevation were fun. Uh, the show itself was great. I scream until my voice uh, ran out. Uh, then I went to Tennessee and I sat by a lake for five days, and that was also That's the way to do it. That was a good experience because it. Uh, I drank a lot. Probably drank more than I've drank in three years in the space the, of five the, days. Well, this is what you do when you go to the mountains. You fucking get drunk as shit at nine in the morning. I mean, I did wait until afternoon to start drinking every day. I never did. I waited. I would I would wake up anytime between six five or six a.m. and I mean maybe if I was lucky I could sleep until eight. Um, but I there's just something about being isolated, nature everywhere, nothing to do, just get drunk. This is this is what you do. I made dull whips. A, I went fishing. Um, you made dull whips. Yeah, dull whips. Okay. You don't like dull whips. I mean, I I have no opinion. I may have never even had one, actually. I think I've probably just looked at them and been like, I know what that's going to taste like, and I don't care. 
no feelings of it. You don't like pineapple? They're fine. Yeah, I I, I like pineapple, but only on pizza. <laughs> you're a monster, then. You're so you're that explains why you like QT Marshall so much. It's because you're some <laughs> terrible mutant. Uh, he's he, it's fucking good, dude. He, the fucking dude picks up the stairs and he sits on them like he's fucking like God Skeletor. I like it, man. Uh, well, uh, it's good. well, guess what you're getting for your birthday, Eric? I don't need even more. I think it is. QT Marshall t-shirts. You're getting the QT no, experience. I'm buying you 10 of them so you can wear I'm one gonna tell for you two what weeks I in don't a row. Need, what I don't need is infinite QT Marshall shit. They should. Yes, it's been good, but they can wrap it up. And I don't need him every fucking day. <laughs> I think a big part of it is, God, they, they really, we're, we're talking about the wrong fucking thing. He got, when he got me, get me wound up about the fact that they make <laughs> 17 hours of wrestling every fucking week now. Sitting by the lake's really good. Fishing was really good. Uh, went on a hike, a couple hikes. They were good. Got to see nature. Got to get a little sweaty. Got to go swim in a lake, float in a lake, drink beer. It was good. I have a book coming out. It is out now, actually. The time you're hearing this. The, my new book is out. Death Rattle is out. You should go buy it. If you're listening to this, go buy it. It's $5 for the for the Kindle. $10 for the print. You can no longer pre-order it. I did. Yeah. You can't be as good as me. No. But you can still buy it. I mean, they couldn't. They couldn't do that anyway, Eric. But I know it takes a mighty, it takes a mighty person to admit that they like QT Marshall and, and are, Robbie Norman and you're a comedy genius. Yes, it's, I mean that is, is self-evident. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, but uh, Death know? Rattle, you heard a big spiel about it uh, at the very beginning of this podcast, telling you to go buy it. And guess what? I'm going to tell you again. Go buy it. It's a very good book. Probably my best yet. Uh, has a, a character in it called Ebner Graves. He's a grizzled Texas redneck. He's gonna fight vampires in his little tiny town. It's like a, I my my blender pitch was uh, Lost Boys meets uh, Walking Tall, and I think that should tell you all you need to know. You should go buy my book. Cover's great. I love my book. You should buy it too and love it. Is that good enough sell? Or I think it's it's good. It's confident. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done anything else except sit by a lake, so we can move on. Our final segment, God Almighty, is the Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part of the show where Eric can assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like it would a book in a book club. It is a comic book. This week we are discussing 1963 by Alan Moore, Rick Veitch, and Steve Bissett, among others. Uh, what a weird thing this is. Yes. Do you know I have a, a connection to this Ooh. from when it was released? Oh. I can't remember what it was. I think, like, maybe we went to, like, a free comic book day event or something, and I got the first two issues of this for free. And I did not know who the fuck Alan Moore was in 1993. I I did not know what this was. I had not read any of these fucking weird old Stan Lee comics that this is referencing. I didn't understand any of this. Well, I mean, I, I, I tell a lie. I actually did used to read like Ditko and Stan Lee, like hardbound editions of some of the old core Marvel characters 
um, in the library when I was a kid, but it still this didn't make any sense to me. It was just this weird book that, like, it was very obvious they're doing these weird Malto meal versions of all these Marvel characters. It's really obvious, but I was like, actually, this is really good. Why is this really good? Why are these characters so such ripoffs? And why is this good? Why does it say shamed of you English? Well, son, I I have an inkling about why it's so good. Because yeah. I wrote the fucking thing. There's a, a, a lot of use of the word commies in this. There is a lot of commies. Uh, they even use a Ratsy. They say Ratsies, which I, I love a Ratsy. I love a good Ratsy. I've never heard this. What is what is Ratsy? Well, a no, you know what a Nazi is, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good old Ratsy, because they're rats. Means... They're vermin. You kill them. Ah. Which should, this, it... That's why Mr. Ultimate Special Agent used the term USA. Yes. Oh, USA, Ultimate Special Agent. And then the alternate version of the was the USSR, which is ultimate super something rogue or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I just liked I liked the red brain. Red brain was really good. I really yeah. did like there, the there's red a, brain. I mean, there's a lot of shit that's like fucking genius in this. Like I I do genuinely love this and the universe for what it is, even though like it is this stuff with the serial numbers filed off for sure, it still feels very thought through and well actualized, you know, in, in that way that I don't know, almost, almost, it's like, it, it almost feels like a Watchmen Elseworlds book, you know, um, except not as depressing. God, I just, I, I don't know. I, I lose interest sort of as it goes along but certainly these first two issues in particular are fucking bangers and I love them. I, th I, th yeah, I think that the, it starts wearing out its welcome. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the gimmick, the novelty after a while, you know, the, and, yes. and it, 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 it waxes and wanes as you go through the issues. I actually think the, when, it, when, when we get end man, I really liked the end man. Yeah. It's not bad. Half issue. I think I in in man's a, a terrible name. Oh, it's um, a worst, for a, a very bad name. Yes, it's. I mean, it sounds. It sounds. I mean, it sounds like you're saying n word. Yes, that's bad, and that should not. You know, yeah, you don't want that coming up in people's heads. No, <laughs> they're reading your comic book. No, no, you do not. Here's here's a here's a question because I I think that some of them like I I don't know some of it is just unhinged Alan Moore horse shit. But I can't tell if hype or not, because originally I'm like, this guy's Silver Surfer. And then later I'm like, no, this guy's Iron Man. Like, who the fuck, it's who both. The fuck is this guy's analog? Who it's, is he? it's Iron Man primarily, I think. And then it's also Silver Surfer, also Green Lantern, mm -hmm. also Swamp Thing. Like, it has all those influences. Even like they have a, a literal Doctor Strange later on with Johnny Beyond. But yeah. there's also Doctor Strange and hype or not. You know, I, in la in, I, some of it is not even in the characters, but it's clearly when they're doing different visual styles. They're like, oh, it's Steve. Di they're doing Steve Ditko here. 
or, you know, and it's like, oh, well, it's when they're, you know, there's collage work in some of them. And it's very mm-hmm. clearly like, oh, they're just doing the Dicko collage from Doctor Strange. And they use that both in Johnny Beyond and I think a little bit in Hypernaut. Um, so there is, it makes you feel like, oh, it's Silver Surfer. It makes you feel like, oh, it's that. But then it's primarily like Iron Man. But um, there's also, I don't know. I, I think that a lot of these characters are like, it's mostly this, but it's also this, and it's also this. And because it's so style, like there's so much aping the style that it it's just kind of like old Marvel right here. All of it. Ah, throw it at you. Mm-hmm. All at once. Um, which is, I think, mostly compelling. I don't think I like it as much as you do. Um, I, I think the, like, I find this stuff, like, I really am, I, I want to know what was going to be in that big annual that never happened. Mm. Like, I want to know what, that's what I, like, I, it made me really curious because I feel like that'd be the thing that probably tipped me over into loving it was the, would be like the ending effectively where you see them intrude in the nineties and mm-hmm. what happens when you mix these old hero, these old, you know, tropes. Well- we almost had it. We almost had the, we almost had the image cinematic universe in 1993. Yeah. But image in 1993 was a huge clusterfuck of personalities. And oh, of course, no one, it is really weird to me how, uh, I mean, because he's Thor. Yes. Horus. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I think it's just hindsight that it's weird that he's white. I, he's very white. I mean, there, are t- yeah. One is the first what you like. Prince, he's Prince Valiant levels of white. He is very white man. Um, I think it one. It's either it's one of two things, and I'm probably actually inclined to believe in 1993. It is literally just oh well. Yes, I make everyone's white. They, they're not. They're not thinking about not making Egyptians look white. They're not thinking like oh, it's weird for Egyptians to be fucking white. If you want to, um, if you want to try and defend Elmore, you could say that. Well, he's drawing, if he's making a comic that is theoretically made in 1963. Mm-hmm. They would be white anyway. Yes. Um, but I don't know. There is a. a there's oh, obviously. I, I'm, I'm, a, this is. It's not right. It's not a criticism of anyone that made this mm-hmm. necessarily. Like I like this is not hashtag cancel Alan Moore. Um, Too late. This is. He did, this it, is he, did, he did it to himself. Yeah, he did. Alan Moore definitely canceled himself. He's completely ruined his own career. Don't don't that he don't went talk, off. And don't went, talk to me. And went off and be he went off to be five novelists at once. I need um, to write a two million word novel about my yard. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Alan Moore is is just he's a, he's a hobbit. He's Bilbo Baggins. Like four, fourteen dwarves are going to show up at his house one day. Or is it 13 dwarves? It was 13 dwarves, wasn't it? Bilbo was the lucky number. Are you unprepared to talk Tolkien knowledge with me? I was not expecting a Tolkien reference in our discussion of... You have to have breadth of knowledge to keep up with nerd culture, buddy. I I get it. I don't think there are that many. I've, I don't. I don't remember how many dwarves, but I don't think there. Uh, let me see. I believe it was thirteen. Thirteen dwarves. Okay, Bilbo, name them. Name them. Bilbo em. was the. Oh yeah, I'm just a casual. If I can't, 
if I don't, uh, if I, if I forget, uh, come on, Colbert, forget, get to work. If I forget Bomber, get- if I forget Ori and Nori. I could probably name about 50% of them, but I'm not going to do that. You just uh, named three um, of them. So you did. That's pretty good. Yeah, I know that. Well, they all rhyme, but the last one is the last one's name is something like Bombernell or something. No, Bomber, just Bomber is his name. His name is Bomber. Is it just Bomber? Cousin to Bofer and Bomber is is Biffer and well, Bofer. There was Bofer and Bomber, but there's like there's, the 13th one is like a, 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 an anomaly. He doesn't have a pair. There is there. Well, the thirteenth is the leader. Is Thorin? This is this. This is fucking insane. Thorin is the we're, leader. We're, 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 I know Thorin, but he's the he's the anomaly. The other all the other ones rhyme. Ah, I swear to God, there's another one, but it doesn't matter. Philly, Killy, Balin, Dwalin, Oin, Gloin, oh. Dory, Nori, Ori, Biffer, Bofer, Bomber, and Thorin Oakenshield. Okay, that's fair. Now we got to let's sing the song from the, the only good part of that movie. Let's sing it. <laughs> this is pitiful. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a lot of dicking around was, in this, this episode. Was, this, was to, this was to try and illustrate that Alan Moore is insane, yes. and now we look fucking insane. Yeah, thanks, Rob. I'm gonna edit most. Good of job. Um, this is mostly not gonna make it in the final cut of this podcast. Differ, uh, bomber, mopsy, topsy, and flopsy. <laughs> flopsy, flopsy's my favorite is. dwarf from The Hobbit. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he wore rabbit ears. Mm-hmm. He was he was a furry. I I I my like that's the stuff that really interests me more than just oh this like it is it, it's a really good pastiche of early sixties comics. Clearly taken from some of it is obviously tongue in cheek because of the way they use the word commie so much, yeah, and also. Hatred. Stop saying it. And also all the like, you know, the 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 framing material, all the ads in the back, all the way that they use to describe the, the he literally calls it the 63 sweatshop to describe the bullpen, like the Marvel bullpen. It's the 63 sweatshop. And it's like, oh, Alan Moore just throwing in like labor practice uh, criticisms in his comic book that is aping the comic books made during that time period. And there's clearly all that where he's like, I, uh, yeah, I'm making fun of all this stuff. But there's also clearly a lot of like love in this. There's clearly a lot of these are the comic books that Alan Moore grew up on. Mm-hmm. And he, he he loved them. And he wanted to and he like if you, you couldn't do it this well and make a comic comics that are thorough, like thoroughly enjoyable without having some love for the source material. Yeah. And that's this is, this is it's kind of the most Alan Moore thing that could fucking exist is this fucking weird shit. When you look at everything he did once he abandoned Watchmen, it was basically reheated versions for better or worse of this. Like fucking Tom Strong is exactly this, you know, I mean, not like literally he uses slightly different whatever but it's done in this same i don't know what you'd call it idiom style uh, of these classic big dumb bombastic stan lee and jack kirby big dumb comics you know big dumb fun shit yeah and i i mean like those those tom the tom is america's best books and all that stuff mm-hmm. is is a little bit more smarter 
it's not as so it is more smarter and more smarter uh Mm -hmm. you have to describe it that That is how that's the correct way i'm a writer um Mm -hmm. uh i have to say that rightness you have to say that whenever you say something real stupid you have to notice notice he didn't say he's an editor i mean i am also an editor uh just there you go there you go now only for me send your hate mail to Robbie at, at butts.com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buttsyoung.com. Not, not my website. If I own butts.com, I'd probably be have a lot more money. Um Well, I think it I think it would sell for I don't know how much, but probably still. a substantial amount. Um this those books are smarter. They are less there's less of that pastiche baked into it. It is more about st- the the style of the of those of the source material of that is is less present in like the presentation of those stories. Even though the stories themselves and the characters themselves are very much rooted in that pulp and uh, early early superhero tradition, these books are like they don't really. I'm like I was ex- I was kept waiting for it. They never really break from what they are they just stay oh this is a 1963 comic the entire way through mm-hmm. we never break kayfabe so to speak uh and, and i you know i think if they ever had done that annual that had the crossover at the end you know and 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 had the second half of the story largely i feel like it makes perfect sense like you just keep you keep up that that layer of obfuscation the entire way through of like no this is books from 1963 this is a, a coherent uh uh consistent universe that we are made mm-hmm. and then oh intrusion of 90s comics suddenly you have that clash of styles uh but because that doesn't there it's just kind of like oh you know you mentioned earlier like oh by the end you're kind of like eh, i've had enough of Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that's it's 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 it doesn't have the legs that say um, uh, supreme story of the year has, which is effectively that. Um, I mean, more clearly, I, I, I'm not sure how this got you know this got pitched, but it does seem like he had the interest in a story that is let's take this 90s era that is the inheritance of what I did a decade previous and let's compare it with the stuff that I really love which is this bat shit crazy stuff from Ditko and Kirby and uh, Lee I mean and it, it did fucking like it's exactly the same thing as like let's compare image comics like murdering stupid life filled craziness and let's compare it to fucking uh, Silver Age Superman stories or whatever. Or maybe even Golden Age. Does it go back that far? Some of it. Seems like it does. Yeah, some of it does. There's certainly parts of it that are still, you know, back in the Golden Age. Um, yeah. Alan Moore, like, spent a lot of time in the 90s looking at these different eras and deconstructing them. And and, mm-hmm. and putting all that stuff together, and it's like I don't know. It's it's really I, you know I. There's part of me is like Alan Moore. You, there you could still be making great work, and I know that you've been screwed over and over and over again by comics. 
but you could still be making, you know, he could still be doing Tom Strong comics forever, mm-hmm. and, and they'd probably still be great. And he could, or anything, you know, whatever he wanted, but because he's had such a, a rough go with it that he just abandoned comics basically altogether. And I don't blame him for that. And then you hear, like, why, you know, you hear this story about why the people involved with this all kind of fell apart. And it's largely because Alan Moore got butt hurt over something that, uh, uh, Bissette said in an interview once. Yes. And Alan Moore's like, we're done. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And you're like, oh, come on. He's a, he's, he's a sensitive artist, you know? Yeah, it's true. As a, as a sensitive butthurt artist, I can, I can sympathize. I want to go live in a, live in a pub and have a failed, uh, polyamorous triad. <laughs> The only the only pictures of you that reach the world are from your daughter when she's playing Pokemon mm-hmm. Go and there's a Zubat flying next to your head. Mm-hmm. It's true. And <laughs> Pokemon Go to the poles. <laughs> and I, That's I fuck comedy genius. Comedy genius. Layers. I mean, you got it's got, it's got layers. I think. I mean, I think you're kind of, like you make me laugh, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that's... Hey man, it's a, it's a, it's it's very important. It's very important to to have someone who's your talk your target audience. That's, that's what true. that's I... that's that's what um that's what Kurt Vonnegut taught me. I am you know? I am I am your ideal target. I'm your ideal reader. It's true. You're 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 a total mark for me. It's uh it's a real shame. It's a fair. I mean, it yes, it is a shame. <laughs> I I agree there. Uh, so, I love you. Alan Moore loved to take things apart and look at them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is like this is in part a, a reaction to the, what happened after Watchmen when everything got grim and gritty and gross and him trying to, I don't know, experiment and see what would happen if we took back those 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 comics of ye old nineteen sixty three when when this when it's, those those books were honestly like those early Marvel books those first ones were very like shocking at the yeah. time yeah and, and people make and we they makes fun of him and night thirty years later where he's like yeah like oh yeah what did what you just you did it earlier Eric where you're like what did he say gosh darn it or something like that and gold gold darn it gold darn it and you're gold like gold darn it crystal man gold darn it and that's and it's it's so innocent you know even and like yes. you're like oh it's so cute and then. 30 years later, what are we in comic books where people are getting, you know, ripped apart and Liefeld doesn't want to draw people's hands? Um, what is that? And and what happened? What would happen if we expose these characters to each other? And what kind of what, what would happen? You know, what, and through this, what how do we see what has happened to our culture, and especially and specifically like this is not culture in general. This is just comic book culture. What has changed mm. in 30 years of comic book culture? And largely, what has changed because of me? <laughs> what, yeah. did, what, did, what did I do? You know what is interesting about this is this, this feels very much it's, it's on the front side of him becoming incredibly cynical. Yes. This is, this is him having all of these thoughts and wanting to step away from all that stuff. But he's not the bitter husk of a man that he is is yet to become. 
It's 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 still in his future. Yeah, I, I, you see in those America's Best Comics, I, I've, I've like, and I there's a part of me that's like I can't blame him for what happened to him because mm-hmm. like he kept trying, you know, America's Best and all that stuff, and then it got bought and sold back yeah. to DC when. Like he hated DC already, and now another thing that he made is owned by a company that he hates. Yes, I mean I, you know, with through no fault of his own, and you're like, oh, I get it, I get why you're upset, mm-hmm. and they DC continually lying to him, and you know, and there probably isn't a single creator that has changed comics more than Alan Moore. Hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, this is, of course, assuming we're discounting the the, the Jack Kirby's and whatnot. I mean, I there. I mean, you could draw a straight line. I feel like it's that. Yes, that is. It's like it's. I think. I think straight from Kirby, Jack Kirby. To, to Kirby more. may be the previous most important creator. Yeah, changing the landscape. Um, I. I th- I, I think it's it, it's it, I think it is a question of what do we consider impactful comic book culture because I think Jack Kirby has the title if you want to talk about how many people have seen his comics how many people have read his books and if you want to talk about influence on the Marvel on the Marvel movies there is literally no one that has had more influence overall than Jack Kirby just because he designed and created half created half of all those mm-hmm. characters and they've made billions and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. If we're talking specifically about comic book culture, ultimately I think Alan Moore is more impactful, even if comic book culture is relatively a small and insular thing and has become smaller and more insular as years have gone by. When if you're talking about like an adult comic book audience, an adult yeah. comic book creators who are making comic books for other adults I think Alan Moore is un, untouched in his influence, but mm. Jack Kirby and Stan Lee were selling like, you know, 20 million comics a week to kids, you know? So what is, you know, what's influential? Uh, how, how, and certainly Kirby influenced a lot of artists, but now there's more comics than there ever have been before. Like, God, am I, there's so many comics. So it's just a, I don't know. It, 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 there's, I don't think there's, I don't, I'm sure there, uh, I don't know. You think about like film or, or music and like, are there any of like super influential artists that literally stopped and disappeared and just wrote books? Mm. Are there any? I don't think so. Like even the grizzled people who hated their industries still kept making movies or kept making music, certainly smaller versions of what probably what they used to do, but. Nothing happened like Alan Moore, where he abandoned an industry. Rick Moranis. That's true. But he wasn't disgusted. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wanted to raise his I, children. I, he, he, yes, yeah. He had, um, I don't want to say more wholesome reasons. Yes, but, he did. Uh, he was very he charming. Was the, he lived through a tragedy and decided to just be Mr. Dad after making a shit pot of money on some terrible Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies. I like, I mean, they're fine. I'm sure they're pretty good for what, 90s kids uh, adventure movies? Yeah, I, that's exactly what they are. I think, uh, well, the first that's... one, I'm not going to make any claims about the, the ba- big baby movie. Uh, honey, it blew up the kids. <laughs> the one where the baby gets big. I, I have, okay, so this, 
what was supposed to be finished. This ends with them literally meeting a 90s character. Yes. And it was supposed to be an 80-page annual drawn by Jim Lee. Jim Lee uh, took a sabbatical from drawing right as they was, they was about to start work on that. And then after that, it all fell apart. All the creators left. People got angry at each other. It, so there's never a second half of this. Isolated by itself, Eric. Would could can you can you openly say you should read this comic book to someone off the street? I don't know about someone off the street. Well, you know what I but mean. But if you're talking about fucking insane comic book fans, that you're like, hey, look at this weird shit. I go to my hey, look at this weird shit guy. I show them this because I think this is firmly hey, look at this weird shit territory. You know, there's a sh- there's shame to you English. There's own a nuclear sub. There's like weird hybrid Captain America Spider-Man who's also Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, yeah, dinosaurs with the third eye that shoot laser beams. That's really this, good. The shit's fu- it's it's a it's a great issue. It's a great issue. And like he really understood what made this shit fun you know like i i could i could ostensibly see myself i i could read a ton of this shit you know if people were making stuff in this style for a modern reader like i i never really had this era because i started reading comics around when this was released in 1993 you know, I might have been it might have been 1991 when I read my first comics. I don't really remember. Um, but I I this this era was never really mine. I, I definitely started reading the 90s horse shit and eventually was like, I, I don't know, when I was about 14, 13 or something. I'm like, I'm tired of this and started reading fucking manga instead. Because <laughs> I just, I, the 90s stuff felt embarrassing to me. I didn't really have the capacity to explain it. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't understand why it was too cheesy. And I think that's, I don't know, that's such a weird thing. Because other people our age, because we're ostensibly the same age as people like Fife and um, uh, Ed Pisker and other, these other people that, that grew up really loving the Liefelds and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, not to mention the millions of basic bitches that think if you don't draw like Jim Lee, you're literally drawing wrong. Um, I don't know why I looked at all that stuff and turned my nose up at it. I don't know why. I, like, I don't get it. You just have such good taste. Even then, you, you just, you're I, just so I, smart. I think I just can't let myself enjoy the moment I'm in. That's the real answer. <laughs> oh no. Um I I I just I just am just so uncomfortable uh with with everything. I do remember thinking that Spawn was pretty cool. I do remember thinking that. I mean it had I mean Spawn was basically a superhero heavy metal mascot. I had yet to fall into listening to metal at that point, but I think the seeds were still there. And there were like naked women that were wearing ribbons with swords. I mean, you got to understand that's fully up my alley. 
I I know you. Yes, I do. I've met you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of want to draw that right now. Well, luckily for you, we will not be recording <laughs> for too much longer. You can immediately <laughs> begin to draw. I can start drawing. You can follow your. You could. You could follow your muse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I can, should draw an Angela. I think people would really like that. I, she has a. She's very iconic. She's a. She's a neat looking character. I mean, everything about new. Are we doing new that, Angela or classic Angela? I kind of enjoy both for various reasons. They're both terrible. <laughs> I mean, so much stuff in comics is terrible. But like, I don't know. I'm sure that you're. I'm sure with all the miscreants that follow you will love your Angela. You're probably not wrong. I'm. I'm. I'm sure I could get. I would get a person or two. I mean, if people started following me because I drew that ridiculous Sonic the Hedgehog drawing, people would. Uh, or, or or the wrestling fan art. People will appreciate. Um, people will appreciate a thick Angela. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Thangela. Yeah. Thangela. Thangela. I was going to say, we're ready to get the the Tony Danza crossover we all wanted. <laughs> God, the boss? This, is the, this is the most tangent-heavy episode that's ever existed. I mean, our early weird. days were plenty off-topic. We were really they bad were today. All, yeah, they were, they were all tangents. That's uh, that's okay. It was, I, it was all tangents. I, I think it does have... It, it, it's a really good pastiche of mm. those early Marvel comics. Um, and it does around the edges. It does get around. Get, it gets a little bit above what a, just a simple pastiche because of Alan Moore's love for that stuff. And the fact that it also has like all that weird, like criticism buried in it in different places. I think there is value in that as well. Uh, I think the only other big problem is that you, you can't, read it anywhere except illegally there's literally or you buy the individual issues for a lot of money there is literally no way there's no reprints of this it's not collected anywhere uh probably I own I, most if not all of them alan moore is happy that it's difficult to read this mm-hmm. uh i mean at least not without just you know pirating it which when it's not available anywhere i don't really have any qualms about recommending it uh, if a big old company well, wants to buy out the rights and reprint it somewhere, I, I can only recommend that you pirate uh, comic books in Minecraft. I'm sorry, don't do it in real life. Would you download a car? Yes, in Minecraft. Yeah, I would. No, I would download a car in real life. Absolutely, I would. Mm. Well, Three. I mean, how else? You how are you going to drive it? It's just data. You can drive it in Minecraft. No, 3D print it. That's fair. Probably wonder how you how do you how do you lube a 3d print that's a really bad car that'd be a really bad car i'm gonna say that if you try to 3d print a car it'd probably be make it probably make a real bad car but i would do it um but i think it has value it's only six issues it is very dense um i do like both rick veach rick veach and steve bissett do a really good job of aping the art styles uh of those time periods very good he's always been he's always been a master of it very good stylistic stylistic uh, mimicry of it, especially the fact that it kind of blurs between, you know, the, the Buscemas and the Dickos and the Kirby's. Um, I mean, it makes it like a weird, a weird style that feels like it's not mimicking anyone directly, but all of them at once. It's really interesting. Um, 
it's not really the 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 bit you know you see Alan Moore's name on this and that's the big selling point. Look, it's Alan Moore drawing writing weird nineteen sixty three comics, um, and I think that that is sells itself. You already know if you want to read this, um, but I, I'm I'm kind of upset that they never finished it because I think yeah. that would be really interesting. I think it would be an amazing train wreck. Yeah, I I don't know if it'd be good, see, but. To, to see the, um, I think it would have been a real crapshoot because there were some, some real fucking talents in there. I would, I mean, imagine if Dave Sim got to write an, an episode. Ugh. Imagine, imagine Alan Moore and Dave Sim in a room together. Oh my God. Alan Moore might kill him. Who the fuck is this guy? Why, he's a Wildcats character. Who the, oh, it's Wayfarer. That's his name. That's a terrible name. Of course, it's a terrible name. He's a Wildcats character. It's a fucking awful comic. Uh, awful character. Oh my god, what is happening in his fucking neck? Don't it? He looks like he he looks he looks like uh, from his pecs up that he's made out of fucking chewed bubble gum. It's fucking disgusting. This <laughs> shit's embarrassing. That's why I would like it because you get to see these chewed bubble gum characters. Yes. yes. Next to like relatively competent. And an anatomy of, you know, a, a Kirby esque drawing, even though they might have a weird pose where their crotch is flying at you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have like there's a there's a, a f- lot of there's a lot of pictures of the Fury like with the camera like pointed directly at his taint. I mean, he's a Spider Man guy. He that's oh yeah, yeah that's the... you, you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get a lot of dick and balls action with Spider Man. A lot of a lot of perineum with Spidey, because that's the real star. Anything else you want to add about 1963, Eric? No, I'm a comedy genius. <laughs> you are a comedy genius, Unde- undeniable. <laughs> this is this is interesting. God Almighty, fucking Billy the Kid on Mount Rushmore. What just unhinged bat shittery this book is occasionally. That was 1963 by Alan Moore, Rick Veitch, Steve The original Bissett, writer. The original writer. The original artist. The original artist. The original artist. Please let me write my, my three million word novel. It <laughs> keeps adding millions of words. It's only one million, right? Three, like, four million word novel. Uh, about... If you're back, you get another million. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you question the amount of words, I have a name. <laughs> uh, don't question. Don't question the original artist. Jerusalem <laughs> only has a million words, but the second edition will have ten million words. A million of them will be about the dirt I found yesterday. Did he write about the walk. dirt? Did you did you actually read you actually read Jerusalem, didn't you? I read about a third of Jerusalem. And then I tapped out. You got me. You submitted me, Alan Moore. You put me in a it's a lot. I it's I tapped out a third of the way through Jerusalem. I could not. Did After you, it was just you so took, you took you took two and a half dicks. I did. And it was not pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to read the I want to read Moby Dick again. I want to reread Moby Dick, but I would not, I cannot recommend Jerusalem. It is just a f- bunch of fucking meandering bullshit about ghosts in England. There's like nothing happens. I mean, that's very 
that's a hell of more. I know. It's just like, oh, there's a guy, and then and then it jumps to a different perspective, and this guy's dead, and he's just wandering around the same city, but it's like a hundred years before, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing, Alan Moore? I don't have patience for this. You got to give me a plot. I think I already outshared this book. Next time in, in Nerdboy Book Club, we'll be reading Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters by Mike Grell. Uh, uh, a heralded work that I've never read. I'm very excited to read it for the first time. I've never really read a lot of Green Arrow um, solo books, so this is kind of the the Green Arrow book. And uh, we're going to experience it together, Eric. I cannot wait for this experience. Mm-hmm. That's next time. That'll do it for us today. We are the Hands Boys Comics Hour. You can find us everything at handsboyscomicshour.com. Uh, including links to all our social media uh, and uh, what links to what our, 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 our RSS feeds on there. And if you like the show, why don't you leave us a nice review on whatever podcast service you use, subscribe, tell your friends, all those things help and they help us find new listeners. We appreciate you. If you do it, uh, you can find me online. I'm on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. My website is RobbieDorman.com. Uh, you can buy my new novel, Death Rattle, on that. You should go do it. Uh, it's a great book. You'll love it. I promise. Uh, Eric, where can they find you and your things online? What a magnificent question. Uh, you can see uh, my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com. Uh, and you can see most of the things I get up to, ericzgoodnight.com. That includes all the linky doodles to my various social media such as the Twitch, the Instagram, the Twitter. I'm known on all services as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Don't you know it? Oh.